This is Sunday Focus, a weekly public affairs program that looks at the topics affecting our society and the people who are making a change in the community each and every day. The people who have vision for the next generation. Sunday Focus presents new challenges for us, keeping you informed with topics of local and regional interest. Now the host of Sunday Focus, Christine Manica. Good morning. In the studio with me, I have Dr. Kimberly Marceau. She's the Chief Operating Officer with LifeScape. And joining us over the phone is actually Dr. Samra of the USD School of Health and Sciences. Now, ladies, welcome. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you. Everyone is probably wondering why USD and LifeScape are coming together. So, Dr. Samra, why don't you tell us about this exciting new partnership? Sure. This, this is very exciting for us. And this partnership is focused on developing the BCBA program. And BCBA starts for Board Certified Behavior Analysts. And what a board certified behavior analyst does is they provide behavior services across the lifespan. Uh, that includes children with autism, children with developmental disabilities, and children in educational settings. BCBAs also can treat mental health disorders such as traumatic brain syndrome, substance use disorders, and issues related to aging and dementia. Um, our here at USD, you know, our our core mission is workforce development and serving South Dakota, and we partner with and we invest in our community. So when our partners like LifeScape come to us um, with unmet workforce needs due to program gaps, we work with our partners to overcome those barriers and challenges and develop the appropriate program in a thoughtful, cost-effective, and collaborative way. Um, and this is exactly what happened with LifeScape, and that's what, why we came together. Dr. Marceau, how excited are you for this partnership? LifeScape is so excited to be part of this. I mean, it's long been part of LifeScape's strategic plan in terms of building the necessary workforce um, to meet the needs of the people we support. And until now, there's not been any in-state programs to obtain this degree. So LifeScape um, has had to recruit professionals from out of state um, or, or professionals would have to get this degree online. And so as demand has increased, um, we could never really hire enough BCBAs. So as Dr. Samra said, we are so excited about this opportunity um, to fill this workforce gap. So where will this program be available? Will it be here in Sioux Falls or will it be located at the USD's campus? For the program will be located in Sioux Falls on the USD campus. USD has satellite um, campuses or, uh, you know, extension of its programs in Rapid City in Sioux Falls, and we have the main campus in Vermilion. We also have online programming. Uh, so this particular program will be in Sioux Falls, and it will be delivered at the USD Health Sciences Center, which is located on West 22nd Street. Awesome. And when was this idea first created? Who came up with it first? Well, like I said, this has long been part of LifeScape's strategic plan. Mm -hmm. 
And a couple of things occurred. I mean, as demand increased for these services, a couple of things had to happen. Legislation needed to be passed for insurance coverage. Um, licensing for these professionals needed to be established um, in the state, which occurred in 2018. And so we've been working towards this um, for, for many, many years. When this program was then created, so why bring it now? Why bring it to full fruition right now? You know, it takes time to develop those, to build that partnership, to understand the market demand, to understand the viability and the sustainability of the program before you start it. It took us a long time, probably a year and a half, to, uh, you know, understand all these factors that going to influence the program. And it just came to fruition after we've done our homework and we decided to move forward. And then you were mentioning, Dr. Marceau, the needs that you saw throughout the Sioux Empire for this new program. So what are those needs? You know, currently, LifeScape has 163 families who are waiting for these services. Mm -hmm. So they're in need, they've been identified, and we don't have enough board-certified behavior analysts to provide those services. And that's only LifeScape. There are other providers who are experiencing similar issues with the workforce. And so the need is definitely there. It's, it's there with providers, it's there in schools, it's there in hospitals. There is just a great need. And you would definitely say that this coincides with your mission at LifeScape. Oh, it is the core of our mission to to meet the, the needs of the people that we support. And strategically, our vision is to always build collaborative relationships um, in order to enhance the lives of the people we support. And this certainly is demonstration of that. Now, Dr. Samra, from my understanding, uh, this program is really geared towards the graduate students. Am I correct in that? Correct. Correct. It's it's anyone who holds a master's degree in healthcare field uh, will be eligible to apply for the program. So it's a post-master's certificate program. How can the undergraduate students get involved if they do come about this program and say, hey, I want to be a part of this in some way? Right now, there isn't a direct path because of the licensure and accreditation standards. We cannot admit undergraduate students who don't have a master's degree directly into the program. But it's definitely something to give the undergraduate students to look forward to. Exactly. So they can continue into their master's program and that can be the pathway into the certificate program for them. So our advisors will work with them if that's something they will be interested in, in, in identifying the best pathway to get to the program. If you are just joining us, we are being joined over the phone by Dr. Samra and joining me in the studio is Dr. Kimberly Marceau of LifeScape. So what are the first steps for this program? Program, Dr. Kim, I'll refer this question to you first and then I'll hand it over to Dr. Samra. Well, the first steps really would be to apply for apply for the program through the University of South Dakota. Um, and then there will be um, six courses, sequential courses, and then 2,000 hours of clinical supervision, which then makes um, the student eligible to sit for the board certified exam. All right, and Dr. Samra, what about for you over at USD? That's the same. They have, first of all, they have to go to the website and learn about the program and if their program is a good fit for them and if they have all the prerequisites requirements to apply and if they're eligible to apply for the program. Once they apply, then we go through the process of uh, 
um, screening the application and making sure we have all the necessary documentation and the requirements are met. If they have any questions, they, there is uh, information sheet on the website that they can complete, and that's how we can re go back. Uh, we can get back to them in any questions that they have. Now, Dr. Marceau, this could seem like a blunt question, but why partner with the University of South Dakota? There are a lot of great organizations and schools in South Dakota, so why USD? Well, you know, we already have a, a very collaborative relationship with USD in terms of other clinical um, internships and such, and so it just seems like a real natural fit. In 2019, when Dr. Samra was appointed as the dean of the USD School of Health Sciences, we invited Dean Samra to, to LifeScape to introduce her to our services um, that we provide and outline that workforce need. And we thought with her background in nursing and the programs within her department, it would just be a really nice fit. And so as we brainstormed possible solutions, um, Dean Samra quickly outlined a plan that brought us to today. And the same question for you, Dr. Samra. There are a lot of, again, great organizations, nonprofits here in South Dakota. So why choose LifeScape to be kind of the main focus for this program? Yes, I echo exactly what Dr. Marshall said, and I would add that uh, I really developed an exemplary relationship and partnership with LifeScape. And, you know, healthcare profession education is very expensive. It requires clinical rotations and clinical supervision by practicing and by expert faculty. Um, students also need assistance sometimes in scholarships. Um, we cannot develop such programs on our own and meet the accreditation standards and all the licensure requirements without our partners because we are a community university, a community school here. We don't own our own clinical uh, hospitals and clinics to send our students to get such experiences. Um, so, um, you know, um, the BCPA program, given what it requires and the number of hours of training and the type of expertise that it requires, LifeScape is the ideal partner for the BCPA program, um, you know, to, to be partnering with them. So uh, that was also another important factor in making this partnership. How excited are the graduate students of USD for a program like this, Dr. Samra? There is lots of excitement around this program. Um, I think there is lots of excitement and there is lots of enthusiasm about it. And we expect that the interest is just going to keep increasing. Absolutely. Again, if you are just joining us, Dr. Samra from USD is on the phone line and in the studio with me is Dr. Kimberly Marceau. She is with LifeScape. Obviously, this past year has been challenging for anybody involved and it's kind of hard not to come across an event or an organization that have not been affected by COVID-19 in some way so I'll direct this question first to you Dr. Samra how did this program feel the effects of COVID if any whether it comes to planning or just launching it in general uh, you know, since this program will start this fall and it was only in the planning phases, there was no significant effect because of COVID on the program. Uh, there perhaps could have been a little bit of delay in the planning, but I think overall we, we met our target date. What about for LifeScape, Dr. Kim? Same thing? S similar. You know, we were able to, to do our planning virtually, so we really didn't miss a beat. 
That that's awesome to hear. So there was no sort of a, sort of a plan B or anything like that. No, we we didn't need to. We as Dr. Samra said, we we met our target target dates and are able to begin in the fall. Overall, it, for throughout this pandemic, it's amazing how I haven't talked to an organization like LifeScape just to figure out how you guys are dealing with this pandemic. What's changed within the organization of LifeScape? Oh goodness. Um Literally all of our practices have changed in terms of infection control, um, you know, moving our school to, to virtual online learning. Um, we've moved to telehealth for our outpatient services. Um, the list really just goes on and on. Um, we've really done fairly well through, through the process um, due to our extensive emergency preparedness planning and our collaborative relationships with the Department of Health. Um, one of our biggest struggles really has been the need to place um, visitation restrictions mm -hmm. on families um, of both children and adults that we serve. And this really took a significant toll on the people that we support. And we're, we're happy to say that as, um, as we're seeing the COVID positive numbers go down, we're able to lift some of those restrictions and people can get back to some sense of normalcy. How do you think the people that benefit from LifeScape responded to these sort of changes and living in a new normal? Because it, it is different. It's something different for everyone. It is. And, and like I said, um, the biggest issue is, you know, not being able to do what we all want to do, which is go out to eat and see our families and spend time with friends. And so they're responding just like you and I are responding. Um, it is just a it, it is a whole new normal. And Dr. Samra, same question for you. You know, my sister, she's studying to be a veterinarian. And then my mom, she is a teacher herself. How difficult was it for the students at USD, particularly for your program, to adjust to online learning as opposed to in-person learning? Because I'm imagining it, it t it's very beneficial to have that hands-on clinical learning in person. Correct. It was a learning curve, you know, for there was lots of anxiety and uncertainty about it, especially when the clinical rotations were put on hold for our students. As we said, that on hands learning is really important. Hands on learning is really important. Uh, we we were able to use quite a bit of simulation and virtual simulation and virtual learning uh, to replace some, but not all. Uh, for sure, you know, those were unprecedented times for us and for our students. Um, our faculty and students have to pivot and adjust uh, very abruptly, and that, that really takes lots of um, hardship. Um, you know, however, I'm very amazed by the creativity and resilience of many and how quickly our students and faculty adjusted. It was not easy, but we did it. Um, I can say we have very supportive faculty at administration. We worked closely together with each other and also with our students. And we worked with students on individual basis uh, to address their individual needs. Uh, we stayed connected with them as much as possible given the circumstance. Sure, there were some students, you know, who sometimes struggled and needed additional help. We made sure that we are communicating with those students on an ongoing basis and linking them to appropriate resources and provide the support that's available to them as soon as needed. So it wasn't, it wasn't easy, but we did it. 
coming from, you know, the USD School of Health and Sciences background, Dr. Samra, did you ever think you would be teaching during a global pandemic? No. (laughs) You know, we play scenarios. We think of all kinds of things. We have a huge event in the spring here on campus for disaster planning and disaster preparedness. And sometimes we have as as many as 600 people attend the event. But we never thought of the COVID-19 pandemic, no. (laughs) I would imagine not. And same question for you too, Dr. Marceau. Did you ever think you would be basically managing a big organization through a global pandemic such as COVID-19. Yeah, absolutely not. Just like Dr. Samra said, you know, we do all the planning um, for all kinds of different, um, you know, events that could occur, but never did we think we would be dealing with COVID-19. Would you say, given the past year and all those hardships and struggles, having a program and this partnership really brings kind of a light to the end of the tunnel? I'll, I'll have you answer that first, Dr. Marceau. Yes, it definitely um, it provides hope. Um, we're so excited. And, and there is light at the end of the tunnel. And, and hopefully in the fall, we'll be able to be back in in-person learning and really provide those um, great clinical opportunities for those students. Awesome. So, Dr. Samra, when will this new program kick off? Are we thinking the fall of 2021 or in the spring of 2022? Fall 2021. That's very exciting. And if anybody has any other questions about LifeScape, USD, or this new program, where can they visit? Dr. Marceau, you can go first. For, for any questions that you might have, certainly you can visit our website, www.lifescapesd.org. And then Dr. Samra, where can people go find out more information on your end? Same. They can go to our website, usd.edu, the School of Health Sciences, and the program is listed under the Department of Public Health and Health Sciences. And uh, there, uh, the information are there. There is also a request form. If they need to request additional information or if they have any questions, all they have to do just fill in the information and we will get back to them as soon as possible. All right. Awesome. Once again, Dr. Kimberly Marceau of LifeScape and Dr. Samra from USD School of Health and Sciences were both with me today. Thank you, ladies, so much for joining me. I know this was a different experience, but I appreciate um, everyone being able to make it here today. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you very much. I am joined in the studio from Hope Haven Marketing Manager, Brooke Koima. I said that right, right? Yep, that's correct. There we go. She is going to talk to us about the organization and lots of exciting events coming up. First of all, Brooke, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always nice to have someone back in the studio face-to-face. I've mentioned this before. And let's just put it this way. Last year and this year was just different in general. It has been different. But before we get to that, let's talk about Hope Haven. And what is your organization all about? Hope Haven is a nonprofit organization that provides services and support for people with disabilities. Um, Our services are comprehensive. We have a really big umbrella. So we do a lot of different things that cover a lot of aspects of a person's life. That's vocational. So connecting people with job opportunities, housing. So that's direct care in in homes. Um, We have an international ministries program. Um, So we do a lot of different things. Um, And 
individual choice is really key in all of our services, mm-hmm. empowering people to have a productive life of their choosing in their own communities. What about people that benefit from this program? So when people come in to Hope Haven, what is their number one priority that they're looking for from you guys? Yeah, so it really varies based on individual need. Um, Our largest service program at the moment is community living. We have over 60 community living residences in Northwest Iowa and Southwest Minnesota. But like I said, it really varies based on that person's needs. And our international ministries program has their distribution center in Sioux Falls. And that program has delivered over 130,000 wheelchairs in 109 countries. So, and they estimate that there are millions of people around the world who still need a wheelchair and can't access one. So that program has a really great need and a lot of people tap into that and and work with us on that program. So I, I should have mentioned in the beginning that this is part of the Sioux Empire. So you have a location in Iowa. Yes. And then is there also an office located in Sioux Falls? Yeah. So our headquarters are in Rock Valley, Iowa, but our international ministries is headquartered in Sioux Falls. You were talking about the wheelchair ministry yep. just now. How many wheelchairs, just so I can figure that out, how many wheelchairs would you say you distribute a year? It really depends. Anywhere between 2,000 to 5,000 wheelchairs, probably. Can you talk about some experiences that people have had with Hope Haven? So our organization was founded in 1964, so there's a lot of history there. Yeah. Um, And a lot of people, especially in the Sioux Empire, have been on a trip with us or they have volunteered at one of our wheelchair workshops. And that basically uh, working in a wheelchair workshop entails refurbishing wheelchairs that are donated. So if someone has a wheelchair that they no longer use, they'll donate it to our organization and we, our volunteers will refurbish it to like new and then it'll be donated to someone in need. So locally people help us refurbish those wheelchairs. And then there's also opportunities for people to go on trips with us to places like Vietnam and Guatemala and Romania and be a part of that process where they're personally giving a wheelchair to somebody in need. So those are some really great experiences. There's so many stories, but when you're there in that country and you're, you're seeing the person get that life changing gift of a wheelchair, it's, it's really incredible. It's probably really rewarding for you on your end, just to see it all unfold. Definitely. It's the whole, you see the whole process right there things that have changed with COVID-19 too. And there really isn't an area that hasn't been affected in some way. Nonprofits and organizations like Hope Haven especially have been hurting during this difficult time. Yeah, things really were put on pause with that. We had one of our last trips in March and then things really came to a halt on that. Behind the scenes, we were still collecting wheelchairs and our volunteers were safely working when they could on, on refurbishing them. But yeah, we didn't have a lot of trips last year, so we're excited when things start opening back up to to get back out there and and get those wheelchairs distributed to people in those countries. So, when COVID first became a reality, what were your thoughts personally and as an organization? Yeah, wow, difficult time for everyone, especially in our nonprofit and what we do locally. We provide direct care, so that's super challenging because the the work that we do that way doesn't stop and people can't work from home. And then our wheelchair ministry, just all of those trips being paused and it, yeah, it's really difficult, but our, I would say our leadership was really innovative and coming up with solutions and all of our employees. It was such a team effort of following all those procedures and being a really united front in order to come through it all. But yeah, what a, 
what a difficult, strange time. Don't remember my exact reaction, but just yeah. really not sure how to take that all in because so new for everyone. I know. And we're all still trying to process this year in general, too. And you already just said this. How did your team act to the pandemic and what was the plan going forward? Our team really acted and collaborated to come up with those safety procedures in terms of all of our different service programs, whether that be local or international, like pausing some of those trips. Mm-hmm. Um And then on our fundraising aspect of things with our events, you know, figuring out, oh, do we cancel this? Do we reschedule it? So that was an interesting thing to navigate all of those challenges. When you did eventually, because for the most part, yeah, because of COVID, all those events that were planned were canceled or postponed. So what were just some of the events that were canceled last year for Hope Haven? Well, we have a Rock and Roll for Hope event that's at the Country Club in Sioux Falls every March. That was canceled. And then we had a couple other concert events that take place in the spring that were canceled. Thankfully, we were able to hold some of our summer events that are out, were outside. Mm-hmm. The ones that we postponed, we did have in the summer and the fall, but they just looked different, right? Less people there, mm-hmm. mask safety procedures like that. So we were able to pivot with some of those events. But yeah, it was just a challenging thing to restructure those events. But so a few of them were canceled. A few of them were restructured and postponed. If you are just listening, Brooke from Hope Haven, she is joining me in the studio right now. Now, there is an event coming up for you guys. But before we get into that, how crucial are these events and fundraisers for an organization like Hope Haven? Fundraising events are huge for us. We have you know, about a dozen events throughout the year. So events are a huge part of our fundraising efforts. So, and not only is it a great way for us to raise funds, but it's just a great way to get the community involved and aware of what we do. Um, It connects people with volunteering opportunities. So there's just a number of ways that, that, events are really critical to our fundraising efforts. And the event that I'm referring to that's coming up, it's the annual auction for you guys. Tell us about this fundraiser. Yeah, it's the 20th year of our annual auction, and that takes place at Tesla Trucking in Hull, Iowa. And it really draws people from a lot of different places. It's a big community event, um, and it's a lot of fun. It's We have over 300 items every year, um, and there's meals and beverages and and it's just a lot of fun um yeah it's an exciting opportunity for people to get out together and obviously this year is a little bit different um but we're we're excited to gather safely and and have the event in person will there be any changes to this auction since we are still living in a pandemic we did have an online component to it last year and we will likely do that again this year But for the most part, it will be in person. Um, We'll have safety procedures in place, masks available, um, social distancing recommended. All of those things that are kind of the norm now um, will be in place. So, yeah, like I said, excited to gather, but safely. Absolutely. And just like events like the auction and other programs you put on at Hope Haven, you need help. So what are volunteer opportunities that are offered at Hope Haven? Yeah, there's a number of different ways that people can volunteer and get involved with Hope Haven. Um, We have a list of all of those on our website, hopehaven.org slash volunteer. And it, you know, it depends on the location that you're at. But in Sioux Falls specifically, we have opportunities to help out at at our um, our Sioux Falls headquarters, our international ministries. So you can get involved by helping refurbish those wheelchairs. You can also help us load up for shipments, um, organize. There's 
administrative tasks. So there's a lot of information on our website about about what how you can help out that way and sign up. So yeah, and fundraising events. There's there's a lot of different ways. And then the the auction that's happening coming up April 9th, I believe. Where what are some auctions that are going to be up for grabs this year, just to get people excited for it? Yeah, we have a lot of fun new items this year. We've got an inflatable hot tub, inflatable kayak, an electric bike, an off, a new off-road ATV, Nintendo Switch. Ooh. Um, yeah, a large, <laughs> a large variety of smart electronics. So TVs, Alexa, all of that. An ice fishing trip, AirPods, lots of gift certificates to Sioux Falls restaurants and experiences. So, And every year we have a, a large variety of meat bundles and like quarter of beef that people always like to, <laughs> to get here in the Midwest right so yeah there's like I said over 300 items and we have a catalog online at hopehaven.org that you can like flip through the pages and you can check out all of the items so yeah encourage everyone to do that to check out everything that will be up for grabs and as a reminder to everyone any proceeds from this auction go directly back to you guys correct correct yes for more information you've set the website already a couple of times more information about hope haven and also the upcoming auction remind everyone the website the date and the time yeah check out hopehaven.org for more information on all of our events and the auction is April 9th at Tesla Trucking in Hall. Brooke Coima with Hope Haven. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm Christine Managa, and you've been listening to Sunday Focus. I'd like to thank Dr. Dean Samra from the USD School of Health and Sciences, Dr. Kimberly Marceau from Lifescape, and Brooke Coima from Hope Haven for joining us on the program today. Once again, if you have any questions about the new program from USD, Lifescape, or Hope Haven, visit their websites. Join us again next week for another edition of Sunday Focus. Sunday Focus is a public affairs program of Results Radio Town Square Media. Sioux Falls.